<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. WQAD Podcast Network. The Cities with Jim Mertens. A production of WQPT. PBS for the Quad Cities region. A podcast in partnership with WQAD. What's going on in the Quad Cities? Activities, events, fun, politics, sports, local issues, and opinions. And now, your host, Jim Mertens. I'm Jim Mertens, and this is the City's Podcast. Nutrient runoff. It sounds like something that doesn't really impact each one of us, but it does. Throughout Iowa and Illinois, runoff from farm fields, parking lots, and your front lawn are all contributing to problems in our rivers and at the end of the Mississippi River in what is fast becoming the ever-growing dead zone. A new report on the Illinois efforts to cut down on runoff paints an inconsistent picture of the state's effort to curb it. We talked with Katie Gregg from the Prairie Rivers Network about the state's new findings and what it means after millions of dollars have been spent to address the problem. Katie, the 2021 biennial report shows worsening conditions in the state of Illinois regarding nitrate and phosphorus levels in the water. I mean, there's been so much attention to this. Are you surprised that the levels are getting worse? Um, not really. Uh, this is the third report in six years that is showing worsening conditions. So um, we're hoping it would not be increasingly worse. That's that's the thing that we're right, right. Um, you know, but it seems to be getting even worse than last year, not just that we're going the wrong direction. So well, but uh, is a lot of the blame to be put on, on the extensive flooding that we saw? Um, so like, I think you're talking about 2019. I mean, that was a record breaking flood, but that's not an outlier. It's just, you know, part of the trend. Right. Every year we're seeing more and more high intensity storms in the spring and fall. and interestingly, uh, a dry period in the summer. So, um, you know, it's more this, this appears to be what we can expect moving forward. You know, it, when the goals were first set for um, these reductions, you know, we looked at, or not me, but researchers looked at the baseline period and kind of made some predictions. They did not anticipate that the conditions would be getting worse. I mean, what this means is that our current farming practices are just less well adapted to our environment than they used to be. Well, um, I think that's very interesting because, I mean, when you're looking at where the source of the problem is, how much of a percentage is it that it is farm runoff as opposed to, let's say, urban runoff, you know, storm sewer systems? How much of it <coughs> seems to be a, a rural a contributor? Um, so... Agriculture is the major source of nutrient pollution in Illinois and in most of the Midwest. It's uh, 80% of the nitrate and 50% of the phosphorus comes from farm runoff. Uh, the second largest contributor is actually not uh, stormwater, but uh, wastewater. Uh, and they've actually been making um, progress. You know, I mean, it's, it's a completely different system and they've been seeing reductions. So again, kind of frustrating to see on 
when we look at the fact that we're going the opposite direction, that includes the fact that we have basically erased the benefits that we are seeing in our, by our wastewater treatment plants. Yeah, and, and that, that would be disheartening at, at best. I was looking, because <laughs> when I read the report, um, the biannual report, it comes out every two years, as you pointed out, to kind of look at Illinois to try to get to, and we'll talk about it, the effort, the goal to reduce nitrogen and phosphorus by 45% by 2025. Um, okay. Uh, actually, the uh, that, so the, the end goal is 45%. That is kind of not a specified time. Mm. Uh, we have an interim goal that is 15% reduction of nitrate and 25% uh, for phosphorus, and that's by 2025. Okay, and then it's just, it, it's incremental, as you said, it keeps stepping up. There, there is, like, it's kind of like there's that one interim goal, and then there's kind of this vague, eventually we'd like to get to a 45% reduction. Right. Um, yeah, but it hasn't really been specified. And I think that's a lot of what our, and I think many states are struggling with is these kind of open-ended goals really don't encourage states to make it the priority that it needs to be. Sure, sure. But what, what is interesting, and I wanted to get to this in the report, and this is from the Illinois Fertilizer and Chemical Association that said almost 90% of uh, farmers, uh, corn farmers in particular, were following the University of Illinois recommended application date and the fall ammonia fertilizer applied with a nitrification inhibitor and about 74% of total nitrogen fertilizer rate was within the recommended range. In, in other words, it seems like farmers are doing the best they can. So, so where does the problem lie? Okay, well, this, this is a common um, misconception actually uh, the Illinois Fertilizer Chemical Association, you know, knows this and probably appreciates me saying this, um, that, you know, it's not just about over application. That is one of the issues, but it's like maybe 10% of the problem. The biggest part of the problem is a lot more complicated and it's about the biology. We are creating systems that are leaky. Um, that, and it, has to do with multiple practices that are used and that means that it's not just fertilizer you know you put your some fertilizer and some of it it doesn't get held in the soil it runs off but also that uh nitrogen and phosphorus that have been stored in the soil is being released so i mean that's so it's not necessarily it's, new application it can be as you said it's part of the problem it's it already still is, in there too but if we just like, you know, said, okay, everyone's going to apply this amount of fertilizer, you know, we would, we would see some reductions, but we wouldn't solve this whole problem. And, and why, um, why, why should anyone care? I mean, I, I think the key thing here is, is that you've got to remember that these chemically, chemicals generally start to choke out the oxygen in the water supply. Is that not it? And then you create these algae plumes. And, 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 and as we're going to point out, the, the dead zone at the uh, Gulf of Mexico at the terminus of the Mississippi River. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not only a contribution, well, the cause actually of the dead zone in the Mississippi, uh, gosh, uh, the Gulf of Mexico at the bottom of the Mississippi River, um, but it also causes algal blooms locally. And oftentimes these are something that's labeled uh, harmful algal blooms, which when they die off, they don't just uh, use up the oxygen. You described it very well um, when they're decomposing, 
but they can also release toxins that are in their cells that can uh, have neurotoxins, uh, cause liver damage. And these are dangerous to people, their pets who maybe, you know, more likely jump into that slimy water uh, than people will, and also wildlife. Um, and then on top of that, a like a whole separate issue is the fact that nitrate is a drinking water contaminant and one that is rising in our, in our public water. And um, from what we know also in our um, uh, private wells. And, and so, yeah, I mean, so I think that we have to underline that is that it does impact all of us. Yes. How critically, yes. And the, I'm and sorry, the go Illinois ahead. impact, you know, it's not just about downstream, which matters, but we are seeing an impact locally. And I think that's really something that should get more attention. How important is it? And I know that the uh, Prairie Rivers Network is part of the formulation of these biannual reports. How important are these reports? I mean, is, is it a report card or is it, or is it more to it than that? Um, you know, I feel like it was meant to be more than it, than it has um, become. You know, it, it, it was meant to be a strategy. And a strategy is how are we going to get this done? And what it's often come out as is, you know, we track our progress, which is important because if we did not have, weren't tracking our progress, if we didn't have um, these super gauges monitoring what's coming out of our, our, um, our rivers, if we didn't have, you know, at least some tracking of how many practices are on the ground, um, you know, we, we wouldn't know that we're going in the wrong direction. So, I mean, it has a lot of value in that sense, but it really was meant to be a strategy and a strategy is forward-looking. It is, you know, setting goals. And often, you know, we have this interim goal, but we kind of need interim goals to the interim goal. I mean, either annual or biennial where we say, okay, what can we achieve in this period? And it might not be everything we'd like to see, but if we're not reaching, we're never gonna get there. Well, and that's really and that's a good we, point if we're, if we're not reaching, and, and not only not reaching the goals, but not reaching the people. And, and repeatedly in the report, it did point out that there were summits, there have been educational sessions, there have been meetings that have drawn thousands of people. So I would assume just getting all the stakeholders to talk about the problem, you know, the, the, the farming community, or as we were saying, the chemical community, uh, the environmentalists, not getting them all together and talking about it and raising awareness, I think, would be a bad problem if it wasn't occurring. And that seems to be occurring and, and doesn't Illinois get credit for that? Um, I mean, it's it's an essential part of this. It's very important, but we cannot measure success based on people showing up and how much people know about the problem if we're not seeing progress in reducing the problem. You know, I mean, eventually it has to be concrete measures of reductions. So talk, talk is cheap <laughs> and you can talk the talk, but do you walk the walk is basically what you're yeah. saying. So, so how do you get to that second point? How do you actually implement the real changes that are needed? Well, I mean, for one, um, <clears throat> we have really spent a large portion of these last six years simply defending programs that we already had. I mean, with the budget impasse, it kind of, we started off on a really bad foot um, where we were, you know, trying to keep our soil and water conservation districts funded, trying not to uh, leave 
federal dollars on the table. And so, I mean, that's, I think, to explain a lot of what's been going on. But now that we've finally been, you know, having in the last couple of years, we've had our first new funding from the state for programs um, like the fall covers for spring savings program. Um, but even still, it's we are we are working with hundreds of thousands of acres of, of conservation or practices on the ground. And we need to be working on millions. Like that's what's in all the scenarios in the strategy is millions. And in the next, what, it's um, four years, we need to be getting millions every additional acres every year. And like I said, that's just an order of magnitude greater than what we're doing right now. Um, and so those are the kinds of conversations I don't, um, I don't see as much in the strategy. I see conversations about what we have done looking backwards. And if we just keep on looking backwards, we're going to keep on at the same pace as we've been doing. And we might eventually see some reductions, but they're going to be so slow and they're not going to, they're not going to hit our goals in the timeline that's been set by a long shot. Katie Gregg from the Prairie Rivers Network. Thanks for listening to The Cities with Jim Mertens. And watch The Cities Thursday nights at 7, Sunday afternoon at 4, and Monday night at 6 on WQPT, PBS for the Quad Cities region. WQAD Podcast Network.